The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Hi guys, welcome to a very exciting episode of I Love Wellness. I have my friend Kelly Levesque on the show of the famed Be Well by Kelly. She's a holistic nutritionist, wellness expert, celebrity health coach based in Los Angeles, California. Hi, welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me, girlfriend. I'm clapping. Normally, <laughs> the last one I did, we normally record in the studio, but you know, we're isolating. So I'm the studio audience. Um, so excited to have you on the show. You have such a huge following and I've loved watching your rise over the past few years. It's very, very exciting. You have Body Love. You have um, the book that I just bought. What is it called? Body Love Every Day. Mm-hmm. Body That's Love right. Every Day with your plans. Jen Garner's your client. Jessica Alba, all the great girls. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a wild ride. It's how did you do ride. this? Tell me how you, how you built your brand. Yeah. Um, well, it started back in 2012, you know, so a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, you have all these followers and celebrity clients and this, Mm -hmm. you know, books. And I'm like, Hey guys, I started a long time ago. Yeah. (laughs) This is like eight years. This is eight years ago. This is grinding, seeing clients every single day. It was a side hustle of mine for three years. So Mm -hmm. I actually worked in cancer and genetics for eight years and really was on the research and, and training side of teaching doctors how to use molecular, um, diagnostics, which was super cool. Um, but this has always been my passion, and mm-hmm. I always found myself down rabbit holes reading the research when it came to nutrition and kind of spouting that off at parties to my girlfriends or whatever. I finally decided to go back to school for it, and um, like I said, it was a side hustle, and then 2015, September of 2015, I took it full time. So um, I yeah, I think everyone saw my Instagram I was like, oh, Kelly has a new hobby. That's cute. She's cooking food and sharing recipes. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so fast forward and here we are. <laughs> You're like, um, I feel like you are like the go-to wellness gal out of, every, you know, out of like all of these, um, you know, different people and, uh, you know, every, like lots of people have great advice, but I feel like you have um, really dedicated yourself to this practice um, and what you share with everybody um, is really powerful and healthy and you're so fucking smart. So it's just, I, I, you know, I just, I love reading, um, your book and, and hearing you, um, chat because you always are able to provide such interesting, like color and insight into why you should be doing X, Y, Z. And I think that just like at Love Wellness, when we tell people why they should be using certain products and how it like actually works with their body, like for their body or against their body, you educate people and then they're empowered to, you know, continue um, forward, um, you know, using products in a specific way and like really changing their lifestyle. Do you know what I mean? It's very cool. Well, I I do love the science, but I also understand that not everybody loves the science like me. So I like to distill it down and have have scientific based information that people can opt into using or decide that it doesn't work for them. And I think that's what I want everyone to feel empowered to do. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like digestible bits of information. That's easy to understand. I feel like that's when you like actually can get somebody to change their behavior. Do you know what I mean? When they understand why they're doing it instead of just like, oh, I'm just going to have this smoothie for breakfast, but not understanding like what each element is and and what it's actually doing for you. So I think that's really cool. Um, So I know that in body love, you share um, the four F's or your fab four. So I, I kind of want to use today's episode as um, sort of like a beginner's guide to the way that you approach nutrition and food. And so I think it would be really cool to kind of walk through like your top line, you know, Bible ways that you approach food, nutrition, how to eat healthy. And then um, I'd love to talk about some of like the, the trends and fads that you're seeing, like um you know, keto and intermittent fasting and like, how do you get a celebrity ready for like a red carpet thing? Because people are very curious on, on, on those items. Yeah. Um, well, first and foremost, uh, the fab four came out of my love for science and wanting to know how we regulate hunger hormones. Like how can I stop thinking about food? How can I stop eating something that I don't want to eat or, um, you know, and really regulate myself on a biological level. That was really important to me. And the second piece was like, well, what do I need? What do I really need on a biological level? What do I need to get from my food? Sure. Um, and the things that you need to get from your food are essential amino acids from protein, essential fatty acids from fat. And then, you know, I bucket in, um, antioxidants and minerals. So it's like micronutrients as part of it as well. And that comes in with the second two parts, which is fiber and leafy greens. So Mm. the four pillars of the fab four are protein, fat, fiber, and greens. And all of those things, um, work together to regulate over eight hunger hormones in your body. Mm -hmm. So you know, a lot of times I sit down with a client and I'd see what they were having for breakfast. Maybe they were having toast for breakfast with almond butter, or they were having oatmeal, or they were having a green juice. And there was a real lack of protein. And Mm. I wanted to make something easy for them. I wanted to make it easy for them to add protein to their breakfast. And that's sort of how the Fab Four Smoothie was born. But the research tells us when people don't start their, when they don't break their fast with protein, they're going to have elevated cravings. They're going to have, um, they're going to have more late night eating, more insecurity around food. They're going to feel less regulated. Um, And so, and the research starts at about 20 grams. So I was sitting there seeing like all these women not having any protein for breakfast. Mm -hmm. Amino acids make our hormones. They make our neurotransmitters. Um, These are the things that make us feel balanced and happy. And there's a really easy way to that's a really easy swap and a really easy thing that people can change can really dictate how they feel the rest of the day. And if their cravings are high or not. So, Mm -hmm. so protein, it, it just, it gets such a bad reputation, especially in Los Angeles when everyone is watching documentaries and going super plant-based is like, you can get protein from plant-based foods, but you have to be really, really diligent about it. And Mm -hmm. and the plant-based foods are going to have um, an effect on your blood sugar. You know, if you're getting your protein from all beans or you're getting protein from quinoa, that's a grain with, you know, close to 50 grams of net carbohydrates is going to send you on a blood sugar roller coaster as opposed to salmon or eggs. Yeah. I actually, before we go into further, like into further detail about it, I actually just had a, a general question about carbohydrates because it's not one of your fab four, but 
I think that carbohydrates are the body's preferred energy source. So sort of how do you like factor that in or do you not include it because it affects your blood sugar and then how you sort of feel the rest of the day? So actually fiber and greens is carbohydrates. I'm just prioritizing fiber rich vegetables and sugar is wrapped in fiber cells. So you have to digest through the fiber to release the sugar and starch that then Mm -hmm. becomes glucose or blood sugar. And it's a slow release. So actually it ends up with a slow blood sugar curve instead of something spiky and steep. And being that you just said glucose is the preferred body source of fuel, that is correct because it's the easiest source of fuel. But actually um, the residual effects and on the body, it's not the cleanest source of fuel. Ketones are actually a very clean source of fuel for the body. And But your body is never going to burn fat before sugar because it's always going to burn the fastest source of fuel first. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's where there is an essential um, amino acid from protein and essential fatty acid from fat, there is no essential carbohydrate at all, which mm. is why people can live a ketogenic lifestyle and feel amazing, have anti-inflammatory effects, have you know, more BDNF in the brain, sometimes really great hormone balance depending on the person. So my thing though is like, I don't want to live a life that's carb-free. Like I just, you know, it's, I want to have those whole foods. And when I think about adding carbs, like you know, deciding to have some sweet potato or some berries or a grain-free tortilla or a piece of, you know, delicious sprouted gluten-free, seriously bread. Like that's part of the program, but because my body doesn't need it, it's not the pillars of the fab four. And I want people to know when you're making those choices to add what I would call like the party plus one, Mm. (laughs) which is like the not so fab four. It's like, understand one, how it's going to have an effect on your blood sugar. So make the choice to have a product that has fewer ingredients, lower net carbohydrates. So this might be instead of getting like a big wrap, you're getting a Siete gluten-free tortilla that has fewer ingredients. It may be grain-free. It's going to have less of an effect on your blood sugar, um, less inflammatory ingredients. So something like that, you can still have your cake and eat it too, but understand that like by making that choice, you're lowering and elongating your blood sugar curve instead of riding this like roller coaster of blood sugar. And that's, what balances hormones. When your blood sugar is balanced and a low flowing curve, your hormones follow. Mm, okay. Got it. That makes sense. Thank you. Thanks for clarifying that. Cause when we talked this morning on the Instagram live and you were talking about the fab four, I was like, but what about carbs? <laughs> but I guess broccoli has carbohydrates in it, but it's also like your great source of fiber. And so like in your plan, um, you know, I guess you're just really not using the word carbohydrate you're using or you're choosing things that have these other benefits. Like this is high fiber, but like, yes, broccoli also has a carbohydrate in it. Yeah. That broccoli is a perfect example. When you think about broccoli, it's six net carbohydrates for a cup and it's three grams of fiber. So what you're getting is you're getting a source of glucose, plus you're getting a source of fiber to feed your gut microbiome and keep Mm -hmm. that healthy barrier that protects you from the outside world. That gut microbiome is what synthesizes B vitamins. It synthesizes butyrate, which is a short chain fatty acid for brain health. And it is super anti-inflammatory. So when I think about what I want my carbohydrates to be from, I'm thinking like beets, blood builders. I'm thinking carrots, phenomenal source of beta carotene for my skin and for my eyes. Um, you know, I'm not counting and, and really particular with um, berries or like really phytochemical rich mm-hmm. uh, produce. 
where I think, you know, people need to pay attention is with their smoothies. That's the reason why I created the Fab Four smoothie with a limited amount of fruit. That's why we limit fruit to a fourth to a half a cup is because of how much sugar you can blend up in a smoothie very, very easily. Mm -hmm. We mentioned this um, on our live today, but two cups of of pineapple is 28 grams of sugar, you know? And I work with moms who are like, I would never open that package good for my kid because it has five grams of sugar. And then they turn around and like hand him a smoothie that has 30 grams of sugar. And I'm like, of course it's the same thing down, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. It's exactly the same thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so interesting once you sort of start to learn about nutrition and you really understand, uh, you know, how many grams of sugar, how many carbohydrates, how many grams of fiber are in all of these different things. And it really makes you think differently about certain foods that you're putting in your body. At least for me, it does, because I think fruit is a good example. I agree with you. Like fruit is not the enemy, but yeah, two cups of, of pineapple, like you're gonna have, you know, a sugar rush or what, you know, a sugar spike or whatever you call it from that. It's like eating a candy bar. (laughs) Yeah. And so there, I mean, you know, there, I coach my clients that no foods are off limit and there's definitely a way you can go into enjoying two cups of pineapple. Like if I'm in Hawaii, of course I'm having fresh pineapple Mm -hmm. and enjoying like the produce that's there, mango or whatever is available. But I also know that like that sugar needs a place to store and it needs a place to store in my muscles, you know? Mm -hmm. So we store, we store glucose, um, in our muscles, not fructose, not like the sweet stuff, but like the starchy stuff we store it in our muscles. Um, and so a great way to do it is like work out before you're going to do something like that, or even just like go for a walk down the beach for 20 minutes and then come back and have your brunch and yeah. Okay. Enjoy some pineapple. What you've done is you've dumped the stored sugar from your muscles. You've made space in those tanks to store that sugar and you can enjoy it. You know, um, many times I'm seeing like, you know, really active, influencers online share like the food that they're eating. And what's so, so heartbreaking for me is that there are people who aren't as active as them, who aren't spending as many hours in the gym, you know, on their Pilates machine, on their mat, doing these moves. Um, they're doing 20 or 40 minutes of their online program or they're, you know, they're getting in their workout with their practitioner. Um, and then they're eating the same way and they're gaining weight and they don't know why, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, so it's just for me, it's about balance and, and eating what you need on a biological level, like a scientific, from a scientific point of view, and then adding that fun stuff um, to like keep life interesting. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. So let's go back to your fab four protein, fat, fiber greens. And I know that you have your great smoothie, but I know that you also sort of use this formula with everything that you eat, right? Yeah. So anytime I think of a meal, I just think of, okay, I feel like tacos. Where's the protein? Maybe I'm doing turkey tacos or shrimp tacos or ground beef tacos. There's my protein. Where's the fat? I'll probably add avocado or guacamole. There's the fat. Where's the fiber and greens? Well, if I'm doing, let's say shrimp tacos or fish tacos, I may do a cabbage slaw and there's Mm -hmm. a lot of fiber in that. Let maybe lettuce wrapping it. So I'm looking, adding tomatoes and salsa, adding adding vegetables and produce and all that color, that's the fiber and greens piece. Um, and so there's the fab four. Now from there, that's just the basics. That's the solid fab four right there, that taco. If you decide, oh, I want to add a tortilla, then that's considered like, okay, you're, that's your party plus one. Like, like enjoy your life, like add your carb. But what do we do? We need to scan the nutrition facts. We need to scan the ingredients. Like I said, are you choosing a lower net carb option? Are you choosing a limited ingredient option? Are you avoiding added sugars and added emulsifiers? If so, great. Like enjoy your life. Like 
But do you have the basics that are going to make you feel full, elongate your blood sugar curve, and regulate your hunger hormones? Because that's going to keep you from snacking on the junk between meals. And Mm. we know from research that like fewer meals that are more satisfying are better for blood sugar, lowering triglycerides, lowering A1C, having um, a positive effect on patients with polycystic ovarian syndrome. I mean, the list goes on and on. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and I know that we talked about it, but you know, now the research shows fewer meals is actually better for you. Where for a really long time, all the health magazines are like, eat five meals, small meals a day. And so can you sort of like talk me through the science behind that and sort of um, going back to the idea of like three healthy, balanced meals a day? Yeah. Well, when you look back on the last 15 or 20 years of of food and and what we were eating, we were eating a lot of like lower fat, whole grain type of foods. Like think about like the Ezekiel breads and those things that were really popular. And and for some people still are, you know, when you're having those like flour-based acellular carbohydrates or a lot of grains, your blood sugar is going to spike pretty high. Your body's going to release insulin and then it's going to bring it back down. The average length of that curve is three hours. When you hit the bottom of that trough, you're don't, you don't feel good. Like you might feel shaky. You'll feel cravings. You'll feel hungry. You'll feel an inability to concentrate. You might feel irritable. And so what they told us was, oh, we can balance your blood sugar. We'll just give you another meal. So then they had you eating every three hours. And if you're eating mm-hmm. every three hours on that curve, you're having five to six small meals a day. Understood. Okay. So now if you look at the foods that don't break down to blood sugar, protein doesn't break down to blood sugar, fat doesn't break down to blood sugar, and fiber and greens or vegetables are wrapped in fiber. They release their sugar slowly. Your blood sugar curve actually is elongated. You feel full for longer. That meal lasts longer in your body and you don't think about food for four to six hours. Not like, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, keep going. I just, I just am so curious because we, you know we're talking a lot about hormones and blood sugar, which for the average person, like I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I know what those words mean, but like when I think about it in the context of like a diet, I'm just curious, like why blood sugar is important and why like, you know, like keep going. But I'm, I'm just curious to get deeper into sort of like the hormone and blood sugar discussion because I think that that's where like a lot of people could be educated further about your approach specifically and like why it works versus others, which I know that you're explaining right now with this difference between, you know, like five meals a day and three meals a day. But just talking about this, like has turned on a light bulb in my mind. I'm like, oh, I like understand it a little bit better. Yeah. I mean, well, basically when we're having carbohydrates that break down to blood sugar and our blood sugar goes up and we release insulin, the storage hormone, That's the storage hormone that pulls sugar from our bloodstream and stores it in our liver and our muscles. But insulin is a storage hormone. Like it tells our body to store nutrients. So not only are we storing sugar in our liver and muscles, it's telling our our body to store any fat that's in our bloodstream and our fat cells and to hold on to it. We're in a state, we're in a state of storage. And the excess production of insulin has a major effect on sex hormones. So, you know, you could have the dysregulation of testosterone and estrogen and progesterone based on the fact that you're sort of riding this blood sugar roller coaster all day long. Mm-hmm. And not to mention, like, you know, when people start to understand that cortisol and stress has an effect on your blood sugar, that's really like taking a step further. Like, our food definitely has an effect on our blood sugar, but let's say for example, you did something that released the hormone cord or adrenaline, which then released cortisol. So this is like hyped up in stress. 
ways that we get hyped up and, and sort of stress out would be having caffeine on an empty stomach that makes you jittery and releases adrenaline and cortisol. The second would be doing a major crazy hit training workout that your body like is ad- releasing adrenaline and then cortisol. And then maybe giving a presentation or doing something that makes you feel really nervous, like at work or like going on TV or something that's like, you're like, wow, I'm keyed up, right? So these experiences are experiences in which we are telling our body, our body is releasing adrenaline because we're like, oh, we got to get ready for this or something's happening, whether it's a stimulus like coffee or, or working out or, you know, nerves like going on TV or whatever. And so we release adrenaline and then our body releases cortisol. And then what our liver does is it goes, oh my goodness, release, um, release stored sugar from our liver and put it in our bloodstream. Cause we need to like deal with, we need energy to deal with what we're dealing with right now. Mm-hmm. So our body then dumps sugar into our bloodstream and our blood sugar goes up without eating anything. Our body releases insulin. It pulls that blood sugar from our bloodstream very quickly. And that crash causes more cravings, dysregulated blood sugar, and more like an, an absolute need for, for carbohydrates and sugar. That's so interesting because I've been, um, intermittent fasting for a few months, but I also drink coffee in the morning. So you're telling me that I should not be drinking my coffee in the morning and then intermittent fasting and like starting to eat at 12 because like I'm creating essentially like cortisol hormones that are keeping fat on my stomach by doing that. Yeah. I mean, it can be. (laughs) You're like, yep. (laughs) No, but I mean, it can be, it, it doesn't, it doesn't always have that drastic of an effect on everyone, but yes, Mm -hmm. it's definitely sometimes when I sit down with clients and they're the person who gets the vente cold brews from Starbucks Mm -hmm. and they don't eat until 2 PM and they're, and they're like, I can't lose the last five. And I'm like, we got to, the coffee is a problem. It's, it's affecting Mm. it. And so there's a ways to, there are ways to slow the digestion and synergistically lower the amount of cortisol your body produces with coffee. And ways to do that would be to drink a, um, like a Rishi style coffee, like a four sigmatic type of a coffee or to have adaptogens with your coffee. Maybe you're having coffee with a little ashwagandha, rhodiola, things Mm -hmm. like that. And then to pair it with a fat. So Fat doesn't release insulin. It doesn't da- shut down fat burning. And you could have your coffee like blended with ghee or with a little bit of, if someone's keto, they may use 100% organic cream or um, you know coconut oil or whatever. But if you have it with fat, it mm-hmm. slows, down, slows down the digestion of that coffee. If you have it with an adaptogen, it slows it calms the release of adrenaline and cortisol in your body. So there are ways to tweak around it. If you were, you know, if we were a client sitting down and you're like, I love intermittent fasting, but I'm drinking coffee. I would just make a few minor tweaks and see if that bettered your results. Mm, Interesting. I, I I like your tip on like, if you're keto or whatever, um, like adding the cream to it as sort of like the fat, because, you know, you read about intermittent fasting they're like, black coffee is all you can have. Like if you're like trying to achieve this, like intermittent fasting thing where your body starts to burn fat or whatever, but it makes sense that you could put fat in and then you would still burn fat. Yeah. I mean, obviously your body's going to burn the easiest source of it, but if you're putting like 20 calories of cream into your coffee, like you're going to get through that pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to go, you're going to go into your own fat stores. And it's actually a nice little bridge without feeling like that jolt into like, okay, oxidize my own fatty acids. Now let's do it. Another thing too, is like, we may look at the hours in which you're intermittent fasting. 
you know, research shows that like having an earlier intermittent fast actually gets twice the belly fat loss as those who are intermittent fasting from two to eight. If they're intermittent fasting in the daylight hours, meaning they're eating maybe, um, you know, 10 to six or nine to five, they're going to get twice the metabolic results as those who are doing it later in the afternoon or evening. Wait, so let's let's talk about that because there's there's so many different ways to approach intermittent fasting, right? So I feel like there's people that stop eating at like 6 p.m. or 8 p.m. and then they start eating again at noon the next day. So they're like doing sort of like the late at night and early morning kind of fast. But talk me through more of this this approach or like, what do you think is the best approach, I guess, for fat loss? Cause like what, like that's why inter- people intermittent fast, right? It's like, yeah, it helps you lose a little bit of weight. And so like, if you Kelly Levac, we're going to intermittent fast. What when would I be, do, what would yeah. be your schedule? Yeah. I, uh, when I intermittent fast, it's nine to five or 10 to six. And I'm most of the time I'm 10 to six. I'm, I eat dinner with Sebastian. Um, he's obviously 18 months old. My husband mm-hmm. eats it like <laughs> sometimes seven or eight. Um, But for me personally, like we eat together, we start the bedtime routine. I come out of his room and I don't touch the cabinets or eat anything after that. And that is honestly so easy because I have that break away from that part of our house. And I'm able to just really compartmentalize like what is the daylight hours and what is nighttime for me. Um, So you eat during the daylight hours. So you eat from nine to five, but then outside of that, that's when you're not touching anything. Yeah. And so the thing is too, is like, I'll wake up. I, we wake up early cause he's, he's a young little guy. And so he's sometimes up at five 30 or six, which is like bright and early. Um, and so me waiting till nine is a long time, you know, mm-hmm. or waiting till 10. So it just really depends on his wake up time and like how I am feeling and how I nourish myself the day before, whether I start at nine or 10 and end at five or six. Um, but shrinking your feeding window, even to 10 hours, the research, like there was a study that came out at the beginning of the year and it showed that, you know, you see that you see on blood tests, a decrease in elevated blood sugar, a decrease in triglycerides, which is like fat in the blood, a decrease in um, a better ratio of cholesterol. So a healthier cholesterol ratio. So you're getting all the metabolic benefit benefits, even with a 10 hour feeding window. So I think people don't need to be like, so gung ho all in that they're only going to eat in a six hour window. Like, if you just get consistent with eight or 10 hours, you're going to see benefit. It's more about being consistent over the long term than it's ever about like picking a fad and being consistent for a week. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, so talk to me about these, these windows because you see different recommendations. Um, and I guess you're talking about it as in like the number of hours that you should be eating instead of the hours that you shouldn't be eating. Cause when I read about this online, they're like, don't eat for 16 hours. Don't eat for 12 hours. Don't eat for whatever. So it seems like you're sort of talking about it in the reverse of that. Yeah. I talk about feeding windows. Okay. Got it. Feeding window, but you can talk about it as your fasting window. So like a fasting window of 16 hours, um, is an eight hour, eight hour feeding window. Okay. Um, so a, a 14 hour fast is a 10 hour feeding window. Um, honestly, everyone should maintain a 12 hour window. You should always have a 12 hour fast. If you, if you are listening and you're like, look, I'm in college or I'm in my twenties and I'm going out to drinks with friends. And then we end up having like an appetizer at 9 PM. Great. Like don't eat till 9 AM. Like you need to maintain that 12 hour fast for bringing down blood sugar, for glymphatic brain cleansing, for hormone regulation, like your body deserves at least that. Mm -hmm. So I think if you're having a hard time 
and you're, you're feeling stressed about like maybe how you're eating, don't jump into like a six hour window. Get, get really freaking good at the 12 hours mm. and then shrink to 10 and then shrink to eight. I think women, women going as small as six, we can see some hormonal fluctuations and we can see some negative side effects to that. And I, it, more isn't always better. It's the same. And when we see women really pull back on the carbohydrates, you know, I've had clients who right. go fab four and go so diehard fab four that they're fab four keto. Yeah. They're so low, low carb. All they're having is like asparagus and spinach. And then it's like, then I see their, their thyroid stimulating hormone go down and I see some estrogen effects there or some testosterone effects there. It's like, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like don't do something so drastic. It doesn't always yield the best results. It's like the slow go easy on your body stuff can sometimes have way better effects. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Really, really good information. So on your like party plus one, that's what we call it, right? Yeah. (laughs) Party plus one. Are you eating a party plus one every day or like twice a week? Or does it just depend on like your level of activity? So like, how do you approach it? Right. And everybody also like has mess up days where they just like eat whatever they want. So like, let's not sort of include those mess up days, carnival days in like the general program. So like how often are you doing that? Because like a delicious tortilla that's like few ingredients and low on the net carbs is like delicious, right? So how often are you allowing yourself those party plus ones? Yeah. I mean, if there are those, if there are those like clean ingredients and I list a number of them in my book and the not so fab four chapter, it's like, Mm -hmm. it's not so fab four, but like these are totally acceptable. And this is why limited ingredients, you know, minimal net carbs, then yeah, once a day, I'm like thinking about, okay, like I added, um, like there are these awesome, awesome sweet potato chips that are now at Whole Foods. There's the Siete tortillas. There's like a piece of paleo bread. Oh my God. Yeah. My thing is really like, let's not do this at every meal and let's not do it back to back because then we're really riding that blood sugar roller coaster. So I'll look at my day. And if I know Chris and I are like going out to dinner and I really love, you know, some appetizer, a bandera, I'm like, Oh, I really like those chips or whatever. Like I might look at my day and say like, okay, I'm going to have a fab four smoothie without fruit. I'm going to have a big salad with protein for lunch. I might have a handful of nuts before I go. So I'm not arriving at dinner starving Mm -hmm. and then I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And this is assuming that people have some form of an active lifestyle. You're moving your body three to four times a week at a minimum, um, you know, because that's where you get the ability to have these party plus ones. It's where you get the ability to enjoy that, that, that like goodness, the processed mm-hmm. or like fun foods is because you've made room in your muscles to store them. Like, yeah, that's the crazy part is like, you see, like I mentioned earlier, you see people who are super, super active. And they're getting to enjoy all these like fun avocado toasts and all these things all day long. They've made, you know, six loaves of banana bread in quarantine. Right. (laughs) Like, okay, fine. If they're moving their body and dumping their tanks, they've made room for that. Are you on the same plan as them? Like, do you have the time to move your body that much and make that much space? And if not, like you may need to adjust for your metabolic health. Yeah. That makes so much sense. This is very, very enlightening. I literally have been taking notes to the right of my computer. Like oh, party okay, plus so. one, once a day. Blood sugar roller coaster is what I wrote down. <laughs> yeah, we just we just like want you on the kitty train at the carnival instead of like Montezuma's Revenge. Yeah, that makes sense. I've, I, you know, like 
when I think about food, I've never really thought about it from sort of like the blood sugar and hormonal perspective. You know, in the past couple of years, I think about like net carbs and fiber and all this stuff, which I, I guess plays into what you are talking about, but it's just kind of thinking about it from like a different perspective, I guess. So net carbs, one example I give is let's talk about a party plus one. Say you started your day with a piece of toast and mm-hmm. you knew the net carbs, you know, total carbs were 15, fiber was three, you subtract three from 15, you know, the net carbs are 12. Yep. You can picture 12 toast emojis floating in your bloodstream. That's your blood sugar going up. Mm-hmm. Insulin's going to be released. It's going to pick up those little toast emojis and put them in your liver and your muscles and your body, your bloodstream will be cleared of that excess in, uh, blood sugar and insulin. Mm-hmm. And so if you were to pick a different type of toast that had 36 net carbohydrates or, you know, 36 carbohydrates and six grams of fiber, that's more than double the height of that blood sugar roller coaster. So even just making that light swap, you're helping to support blood sugar balance. Mm -hmm. And so you were doing that without understanding it. Right. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Cool. I love that. Yeah. You know, so many, there's, there's just so many different ways to approach, I guess, healthy eating. Um, but I really like this approach of the fab four and talking us through your taco example, I think is like a really interesting way, um, to think about it. Um, okay. I know that we're running out of time. Do you, um, when you think about a meal, do you think about certain percentages of your meal that should be each one of the fab four, or is it like a a quarter of your meal is each one of those four? It depends on the client, how I would, how I'd recommend that they start to consider, um, the fab four. Like at Mm -hmm. first, if someone's just like getting on board with eating healthy, we just look for categories. Mm -hmm. It's like you're at brunch, you're having a veggie scramble with avocado, eggs are protein, avocado is fat, veggies are fiber and greens. Okay. You're going to add something to your plate. Are you going to have the potatoes? Are you going to get the side of gluten-free toast? Are you having the mimosa? We're not Mm -hmm. having all three because that's like a major spike and crash. We're just having one. Um, but if someone wants to get really detailed about like the amount of protein that they're eating, the amount of veggies, I like to use my hand. So for protein, it's the size and thickness of your palm. So like if that's a piece of fish or chicken or whatever, um, when it comes to fat, you can use your thumb. So one Mm -hmm. to two thumbs is about two tablespoons. And then when you think about veggies, fiber, and greens, it's two to four fifths worth. So the majority of your plates should really be plant foods. And then you're having like a healthy fat and a protein. A couple questions I get would be like, I'm having a salad and I'm adding dressing. Can I also add the avocado? Can I also add like some sunflower seeds? That's, is that too much fat? Is that, you know, and like people start to fear like, Mm -hmm. I really feel full at six or eight ounces of protein. Is that too much protein? And the thing is, is like when you're eating the fab four and you're not adding all of the starchy carbohydrates, you're not having that massive release of insulin that shuts down fat burning. You're just getting to nourish your body and get it what it needs. And so you really have to tune into yourself and decide like, oh yeah, you know, when I have six, six ounces of salmon, I feel way different than if I have like a hard boiled egg. Mm-hmm. The amount of protein there is so drastically different. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, that's helpful too. Yeah. I was just thinking like, what if I want, you know, like some, I don't know, thinking about the top taco example, like if you want to put some like whole milk yogurt on is instead of sour cream, but you also want avocado, like, is that okay? Kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think really it's just what it, you just said. I think it's really tuning into yourself and doing what you need to do to feel full. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. To wrap up, what is your secret ritual? This is something that you do that makes you feel happy and well. It could be like pizza or it could be taking a bath. It could be like anything. Yeah. I would say really being consistent with the Fab Four smoothie because it starts my day in a way that my hunger hormones are regulated. I don't have 3 PM cravings. Um, and I know I'm packing my day with a lot of leafy greens. You know, if it's a day where I'm not having a salad or I'm not getting as many veggies on my plate, especially now during quarantine, like it's, it's like my saving grace. It changes the whole day. I love that. And then what's one thing that you do now that you wish that you had started or learned earlier? Breath work. So I picked up breath work. Um, it was probably about three years ago, but for me, um, you know, getting really serious with a meditation practice, um, as an entrepreneur sometimes would give me a little anxiety. I'd wake up, I'd try to meditate and I'd be like, Oh my God, my inbox. And I have to do this, this, and this. And then I was really meditating on all the stuff I had to do, which, you know, helped me clear out my day. But what is so cool about breath work is it's such an active process. And sometimes people do these like really like fast breathwork courses where they're like hallucinating and, and, and their, you know, nerves feel like they're on fire or whatever. This, honestly, it's just a practice like how yoga is a practice for me where it gets me out of my head and has me physically just breathing in, you know, breathing in love, releasing stress, like breathing in, um, forgiveness, releasing anxieties. Like, you know, you kind of can do a mantra, but my, practitioner is Ashley Neese. If you need someone, I know right now she's doing like a lot of free courses on Instagram um, Mm, and live, but definitely like, gosh, what a game changer for me. Mm, I love that. Such good insight and tips. All right. Well, this has been a really, really wonderful intro to the way that you see the world. Um, And I know that our listeners um, will definitely take a lot of your tips away. Um, So you have body love, you have body love every day. What, where else can people find you? Uh, I'm on all social media platforms at Be Well by Kelly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then I have a podcast called Be Well by Kelly and you were a guest. I know. It was so fun. Wellness. I love it. Um, okay, you guys. So go find Kelly at Be Well by Kelly on Instagram and all those other places. She has some amazing newsletters you guys can sign up for. And I do love her podcast. Um, so thank you so much for your time today and good luck. In your, so fun. Good luck in your quarantine. <laughs> Thanks. You too, Lo. Thanks. All right. Bye, babe. Okay. Bye, Kelly. Thank you.